I want everyone in Eola to know that a certain man is back. Lock up everything you have. Mr. Terrence Ray on the keys, ladies and gentlemen. It's a shame that one certain man can't go to church because his brother's selling pills and selling weed. Shame on the brother. One of the craziest things the power company is doing is charging the churches a power bill. They should at least charge the churches only half. The churches don't have much money, and they all mean well, and when they die, they're going to heaven. Some churches just can't make it. For our president to sit in front of the gravestones of hundreds of our precious loved ones who lost their lives fighting in Europe and unfairly trashed the Speaker of the House and other prominent American citizens was a desecration of the sacrifices of the brave and courageous men. If he had any sense of decency at all, he'd hang his head in shame. He has certainly made me hang my head in embarrassment for our country. England, France, and all the other countries took the D-Day Memorial seriously. God has put it on my heart to apologize to my sister. Sis, in 1975, I worked in the mines. I came in from work that day, and my daddy leaned up against the door and said, Come in here, Alfred. So I went in, and he was lying back on his bed, dying of black lung. He said to me, he said, Here's $20. Go out there and take that trumpet out of your sister's hand and cut it up. <laughs> I looked at the old man and I said, I'll do it, Daddy. So I went out there and got your trumpet and cut it up. I am sorry, but you had many years to learn to play that trumpet. And, and our daddy just had a few years left on his deathbed. God bless you, sis. God bless your family.
to a certain fellow in Pine Creek who has been hauling his garbage over onto the old strip job. I have a deer camera over there and I have several pictures of you hauling your junk and throwing it out. I do know who you are and if you want to know, well, yes, you do live in a trailer. And it's not a single wide either. My next phone call be to Daryl Banks, the garbage warden. I would highly suggest you get back over that property and start moving your junk back off. Next time. <laughs> Haul your garbage to the transfer station at Millstone, not to other people's property. Wow! This is embarrassing. No, we're good. We just—you just need to—it's like a modem. You unplug it, you plug it back I think it's a shame when a Pentecostal pastor's wife and other church people go to court with someone and stick their noses where they don't belong. I suggest that everybody get their ducks in a row, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or whatever, later. <laughs> to the man and woman walking around and hollering hee-haw to people. You should go home and take a look at yourselves and some of your family members. Then you'd really have something to hee-haw about. <laughs> Congratulations to the Nationals of Flem and Neon for winning the Little League Championship. All of you did a great job. You played an excellent ball game and we thank you so much. Let's hear it for the Flem and Neon Nationals. Ladies. Also, sorry to the Neon Orioles. Uh, you are beatable, and the Nationals beat you in a big way. <laughs> I hope everyone will visit the Republican Area Medicals in Hazard and Wise. Then you'll see how much the GOP's plan for health care is better than the Affordable Care Act. Last but not least, we were reading about those two trailers burning at UZ. When the Mountain Eagle says the rest of the story will be on page four, then it needs to be on page four. Instead, instead, the rest of the story was nowhere in the Mountain Eagle. Thank you, God bless.
editor's note. We apologize for the error. That's what happens when the continued on and continued from editor goes on a week-long vacation. That's this week's. That's this week's, folks. Hot off the presses. What's up, Lexington? I've very much wanted my whole life to be in a situation where, you know, I could say, you know, what the fuck is up, insert city. I was <laughs> never good at sports. I was never good at, at music. But, yeah. but I just want to say, what the fuck is up, Lexington? <laughs> When we were rehearsing this earlier this week, that was Tom's biggest uh, sticking point. He's like, I gotta be able to say this. Um, thanks for coming out, everyone. Yeah, we're the Trillbillies. Yeah. yeah, I'm Terrence. This is Tom. Well, two thirds. Two thirds. We have. We have a third. Yeah, Tanya. She's in uh, Oklahoma, or as we like to call it, Woklahoma. Oh, yeah. No, well, good. that one's that That's one's good. awesome. That one's just as that one might be better actually. <laughs> um, so we have a good show for you tonight, and uh, Street Fight does as well. But before we get to Street Fight, um, we wanted to take you on a little bit of a journey, a historical journey. So um, we've been working on this new segment, and in fact, uh, we've already done a few installations in it. Yeah, who are, are there any uh, Patreons in the house? Okay, well, it's more than I expected. <laughs> so for the, we didn't really have a name for this, but the first one we did was about Omsetti, who was a 19th century English scientist that slipped, fell, hit her head, and was convinced she was an ancient Egyptian deity. Right. Yeah. As you do. We, hey, who among us? Uh, the second installment was, uh, of course, uh, the legendarily horny Giacomo Casanova, and tonight we're going to introduce you to the third installment That's of right. the newly titled Trill Billy's Profiles and Courage. Yeah. Uh, all right. Ian, could you pull up? So I brought a PowerPoint. <laughs> I, we had to, before we came, I, I, I was literally in Tom's passenger seat, but putting together a PowerPoint for this fucking show. All right. So um, we are introducing, as our third installation in the Trillbillies Profiles in Courage Pantheon, a little man named Franz Reichelt. Not so, a, not a little man. Not a little man. As you can see, fucking Franz ignorant thick. Franz is very, uh, as you would say, dummy thick. Actually, go to the, <laughs> go to the next slide. Yes, there we go. <laughs> My man is dummy thick and also has great, ex excellent fashion sense. Just amazing. This is Raquel. Yes, look at the mustache. That's right. Yeah, this is, this is uh, from the Raquel uh, Fall Winter 1911 <laughs> collection. The Yeezy. Yes, this is the, 19, the Yeezys this of 1912 right here. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
So, uh, Franz Reichelt, uh, his story picks up in a place where we last left off, Giacomo Casanova, a little country called France. Perhaps you've heard of it. Um, but about 100 years later, about 100 years after Casanova's, uh, we're talking early 1900s, and Franz was a parachute designer. He was an innovator. He was uh, also a tailor and a dressmaker. And he came up with um, what we're calling a parachute suit. Has anybody ever seen those videos of people they jump off cliffs? Yeah, they, yes, and they have wings. Yes, they have the GoPros on. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. Um, well, Franz was an early innovator in this. All right, so um, just a little background on our friend Franz. He was born in Vegstadel in the Kingdom of Bohemia in uh, 1879. The, the year the music died. The year, ro the year rock and roll died, which is the reason why we're here on stage and not doing the wise thing, being in a rock band. <laughs> right. Um, he was also, uh, so he moved to Paris in uh, 1898, and he wanted to apply his trade, uh, dressmaking, to uh, building a workable parachute. The reason why was because throughout the entire 19th century, nobody had built a parachute. This was, uh, this was a scientific mystery, and nobody had figured this out. And you needed to be able to do it because, let's say, you were taking a hot air balloon, which they did have in the 19th century. You wanted to go up into the sky and look out at the, the countryside. You needed, and let's say a bird flew into your uh, balloon. Uh, you needed to find a way down safely. So Reichelt thought that he could be the man to do this. So he started to develop a, pa a parachute suit in the summer of 1910. Um, he, he experimented on a few early test dummies. Um, not himself. We're talking about inanimate dummies, not dummy-thick uh, gentlemen like our, like our friend here. Um, and he started hanging around, um, like, you know, when you're interested in something, you know, you have, like, a certain social club, right? Like, we have podcasts. That's the reason we're all here today. Um, <laughs> that's right. I'm glad we found each other. <laughs> um, well, Franz started hanging out at a place called La Ligue Ariane, which was this uh, French place uh, in France, I guess, where they, 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 they tested out parachutes. And so Franz would go there daily, and, and the early other scientists there, they'd be like, this is madness. This will not work. You have the wrong uh, prototype. You will, not, you will never learn, Franz. And so uh, they rejected his design, and, uh, you know, if this was a film, imagine Franz tearing out of La Ligue and just tears in eyes. I'll show them. <laughs> I will show destiny, them. Destiny. It is me, destiny. So he tears out of the, the club. Um, but before he does, he sees a little billboard up on the side of the, the wall, and there's a, a poster up from a famous French colonel offering 10,000 francs for uh, the best parachute design. So he rips it off the wall and says, I will show them. I will find the best prototype and I will get to the history books. Well, he was, but he was like me and he was doing a bad accent. <laughs> so yeah, he was, he was German, Austrian. You know, Europe at this time was one big mess and that's why World War I happened. You know? More on that later. <laughs> so uh, Franz started to you know, test out his parachute. Um, and then Ian, click the next slide. As you can see here, uh, he started redesigning it until he got a, a body, a full body suit. This is made out of wooden dowels and silk canopy. 
Yeah, silk or silk canvas. Yeah, um, and it and it covered his entire body. Um, well, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> no, well, uh, not only will we get to it. There's video footage. Um, all right. So he started to to test his redesign. Um, he he jumped from a few uh, housetops and landed in hay. He uh, broke his leg at one point, but it did not deter him. His friends, throughout this whole time, they were like, Franz, you must... You got a mandate, you got a mandate. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, So, but he thought that the reason his parachute wouldn't work when he would jump off of a house or a barn was because he wasn't high enough. And so he looked around in France and he said, "What uh, what is the highest object that I can jump off of? Well, the Eiffel Tower, obviously. Um, and so he started to apply for a permit to test his parachute suit off the Eiffel Tower. Um, as any good organizer knows, uh, you have to get permits. You've got to go through the proper channels. You've got to go through proper channels. You know, um, all the greats did it. Martin Luther King. A. Philip Randolph. Uh, Muhammad Atta. Uh, Osama bin Laden. All did it the right way. All, got, all did it the right way and got the proper permitting. Before their big day. Um, so <laughs> well, me and Tom had thought about this. Like, uh, could you imagine them sitting in the cave on September 10th being, did you get the permit? And uh, them looking at each other. You had one job to do. You had one job. <laughs> so, um, so... To get a permit, you had to apply to the prefect of police. At this time, it was a man named Louis Le Pen. Now, Ian, if you could hit the button. <laughs> this is him. You will not get a permit. Uh, Louis Le Pen was, yes, the chief of police of Paris at the time. He made his name billy clubbing uh, young socialists on the campuses of Paris. Uh, you will not get Medicare for all. Yes, yes. You will not get. Exactly. <laughs> Boo. It, it is the, the thin, thin blue line. <laughs> <laughs> Worker ownership. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Le Pen thought about it a little bit, and then he finally said, "All right, I'll give him the. I'll give him the." Uh, he he at this time, like the the permit sitting in front of him said that a dummy would drop off of the Eiffel Tower, um, and so he thought, "Hey, it's just a dummy." He, he came to this country the right way. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, anyways, fast forward to the morning of February fourth, when Reichel shows up to the Eiffel Tower to test his prototype. Um, he, he rides up in, his, in a car, and he gets out with a few of his homies. He showed up with some friends, as one does, and, um, and he's wearing the suit, though. And all of his friends are looking at each other like, well, I thought that um, a dummy was going to fall off of the uh, Eiffel Tower. And he says, you do not understand. I am the dummy. <laughs> <laughs> I am dummy thick. He is. Um, so, uh, so let's say that like our friend Franz here is like Jesus, and on the, you know on Jesus's big day there were he he turned to Simon Peter and he said, "You will deny me. You will doubt me three Thrust times before the cock crows." Before the cock crows. Well, three people tried to stop 
Franz on this morning from actually jumping off the Eiffel Tower. The first was one of his friends. He says, you cannot do this. The wind is too high. It is too cold. And Franz says, no, it is me destiny. I must do it. So he gets past him. The second person he encounters was a man named Gaston Hervaux. He was a fellow parachute inventor. And he had seen what, it, what could happen to a person uh, when the parachute didn't work. And he said, you must not do this. It's madness. It's madness. You are acting like an Irishman. <laughs> he says, no, it is my destiny. I must do it. And the third person was a guard at the footsteps of the, of the steps leading up to the observation deck on the Eiffel Tower. There was a guard named Gassion. And he, uh, he attempted to stop him. It's a, you know, same routine. You could not do this. I, you know, I must do it. It's my destiny. And Le Pen comes up and uh, he says, he's got the proper permitting. Let him do it. Yeah, yeah, he's... No. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All for permits. That's right. And so, um, so before he leaves, though, before he walks up the steps, um, Reichelt t turns and looks at the crowd that's gathered there at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower, and he says... Abiento, which is French for, we'll see you soon. So Franz walks up the steps. He goes to the observation deck. Um, he pulls out a single piece of paper from his uh, notebook and throws it into the air. Um, true showman. A, a true showman. Like my friend here. <laughs> Just like me. An entertainer. And he looks over the edge. He looks over the edge and he starts to hesitate. There were two cinematographers on hand this day. Um, well, you know, well before YouTube. They still wanted to capture things like this. Um, and they caught video footage of Reichelt's infamous jump off the Eiffel Tower. So, uh, Ian, without further ado, if you could pull up the video. And remember, you have to rewind it back to the beginning. There you go. Just, there we go. All right. Play it. Hit play. Hit it, Ian. Here we go. So here we here. Are, here's our friend. He's showing off his suits. Looks uh, good. He looks great. He's got a. You can even good. see the silhouette of the mustache. It is a beautiful Paris morning. That's a striking figure. Right. He is dummy thick. <laughs> exactly. His whole body. Yes. <laughs> Hourglass figure. So this is him getting ready. I and must that's do presumably it. Presumably, Gassion. Yeah. It is my destiny. I will. He, you know, has to drop the pants down. And like I said, this is just made of silk. This is a very lightweight material. He was a tailor. So uh, let's get a chant going for Franz. Uh, Franz, 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 You can do it! Franz, Franz, Franz. Come on, Freddy, come on! Guns, Franz, 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 Here he goes! And now. <laughs> That's the Eiffel Tower, folks. Give him a sec. You gotta give him a minute. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Oh. Uh, <laughs> Damn. <fuck>. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. Yeah. He actually died immediately. <laughs> 
as and as you can see at as you can see at the very end there, they were measuring they were measuring a dummy thick impact crater. <laughs> a good it was six inches into the ground. That's what a dummy thick impact crater looks like. So, but yeah, before 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 we go, there are a few things to say about this. Um, the first is that. Ironically, two days before this happened, a man named Frederick R. Law jumped off the observation deck of the Statue of Liberty with the parachute, which was ironically given to us from France. And he was successful. But no one has ever heard of Frederick R. Law. Not a first. He is a nobody in the history books. Whereas our friend Franz here, he, uh, you know, he will go down in history as the third installment <laughs> of the Trillbillies uh, Profiles and Courage Pantheon. And I think if there's one thing we can take away from this is that no matter if you're just just totally shank life, okay, and you're just an abject failure, yeah. Before you leave, leave a dummy thick impact crater. <laughs> <laughs> so we bid you a biento and uh, Street, Street Fight, Fight Radio is up, up next. next. <laughs> No theme music tonight, folks. This is the punk version of the show. Do they have music at punk concerts? Hey, everybody, how you doing tonight? We got a lot of people in here. Please feel free to move up a little bit, but we got a, a Come on, let's have a big family party here, everybody. Jeez. How are we gonna crowd surf if nobody's up here? I fucking dare you, dude. I've been in more dangerous situations. Okay. <laughs> Wowzers. How you doing tonight, Lexington? Thank you for being here. For those of you that don't know who we are, my name is Brett Payne. My co-host here is Brian Quimby. We're Street Fight Radio. The number one anarcho-comedy radio show on any station across the nation. The number one anarcho-comedy show on any station across the nation! Yeah! Well, we'd like to. That's no, what we're trying to do. No more nations. No more nations. As part of Street Fight shows, feel free to yell, boo, hiss, whatever you feel. If we mention somebody you don't like, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. <laughs> it's a uh, very big weekend. I'm here in my most fatherly attire. Look at this motherfucker. He is dressed for those who can't see him, he's wearing the worst shoes ever made. <laughs> Look, the boys like Lowe's, what can you do? The dads like Lowe's, baby. For all the listeners at home, that's socks with sandals, Lowe's socks, cargo shorts, Funny t-shirt. I'm ready to go. I'm ready for Father's Day weekend. 
It's our time. It's our weekend. That shirt, this shirt's so bad because here's what I know. I have never seen Game of Thrones, but I do know that it's I have, what is it? I have, it, it, I drink and I know things. Brett's shirt says, that's what I do. I grow a beard and I know things. And that's not even a direct quote. <laughs> like, that's just like they, they oh. It's the most dad shirt ever made. Hey, if, if anybody doesn't eat their vegetables, I just point at the shirt. That's true. You got to eat them. By vegetables, he means weed. <laughs> Kratom also. Kratom is a vegetable. Kratom is a vegetable. Comes from the ground. Yeah, I, um, well, actually, before we get this started, I have a question. For, like, all the people that are selling Pride this month, I have a question. Are you trying to steamroll Father's Day? Yeah. <laughs> the, up, up front, he said he wants to be steam, steamrolled by fathers. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's daddies at Pride, right? I just, I didn't know if the, you were coming after the patriarchy that hardcore. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, so, yeah, man, it's Father's Day weekend, and Brett is angry. And he has some things he wants to get off his chest about being a dad. And you know what? He speaks for me. So unless he says something really problematic, I agree with him. All right. I got some, I got some grievances that I wanted to get out. This is the only time I'm going to do this because it's Father's Day weekend. And you're allowed. You're what, allowed to do whatever you want. What got me started on this is I was shopping about two weeks ago, and I saw a sign that said, Hey, Dad, you're awesome. Get him great gifts for under $10. <laughs> awesome is not $10, okay? Awesome is, a, I mean, $10 is an obligation, yeah, $10 is the minimum amount before it can be considered a gift. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, exactly. I gave them the $10 anyways. Yeah, no shit. You know... That's the dad life right there, actually. All right, so here's the next one. I cannot get up by noon on a Saturday because no one would watch Godzilla with me, and I had to w stay up till midnight watching Godzilla. That's so true. See, that's the thing with me, too. I couldn't get anybody to go to the movies with me. I wrote Godzilla? <laughs> oh, I didn't write that one. I didn't. Brett wants to see Godzilla. Nobody will go with him. I saw it. Uh, that, oh, these are, okay, so this is for just a couple nerds. When they laugh, just call them nerds. I watched Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. I yeah. hate that. You know what? I watched the new Godzilla, and Boo. I fucking loved it. Ameritrash. That's Ameritrash. All right. Um, so here's the thing. Designers can't make dad's shoes. If you want dad's shoes, 
go to Dick's Sporting Goods and get the clearance Nikes. There you go. Okay, okay. Oh, he's mad about Balenciaga like dad shoes. That's what he's up here mad about. It's like, dude, you're so fucking old. You know, I'm hip to that stuff. That's me, the hip guy in the fucking, I'm wearing, that, I'm wearing the shoes, everybody. Okay, this is something, I don't know if your dad said this to you or not or how he did this, but I actually hate going to the fucking store. I'm just the first person to break down in the house. <laughs> My wife and kid will wait on that couch for days because they know eventually I'm going to the fucking store to get them more stuff. <laughs> Boy, I, you know, that's great for you because I go to the store famously every single day of my life. And still, you know what's shitty about this capitalism we live in? Nobody knows me at the store. They don't even treat me kindly or anything like that. It's like I'm fucking talking to a robot machine that takes my picture while I'm stealing stuff out of that you scam. It's fucking bullshit. I do. I, I, here's the thing. In my world, we'll pay them $20 an hour and they will like me as a person. <laughs> They do, they do. Well, what's the minimum wage here? You're in the Ohio club, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we go to places where they're like, it sucks, the minimum wage is twelve fifty here. <laughs> you know what's fun to do, though? Anybody that here that goes to the West Coast or the East Coast or any of these big cities, tell them how much you pay for rent. <laughs> it drives them nuts. He it's got... They almost threw chairs at him in Los Angeles. <laughs> I get a perverse joy out of just fucking telling them how much space I occupy for $1,000 a month. <laughs> All right, here's another one. If I'm going to drive to the destination, you can't get fucking mad when I get on my phone. You've been on Instagram the whole fucking time we were driving. That's true. That's true. But Brett does that to me. Here's something people don't know is when we're on tour, I drove for six hours one day while he sat over there and played Switch and was like, oh, I'm fucking going to beat this game, dude. Like, <laughs> didn't hear a word I said. But, but in all honesty, he doesn't do that thing when you get to a place and you're looking at your phone because you have a diseased mind that has to look at Twitter. He didn't do that thing and say, like, be in the moment. Live in the now, dude. Like, the now sucks, man. If, if I don't play Switch, Brian is just going to pull up all the Kid Rock songs where he says racist stuff. It's true. That's true. Like, I do that. Li listen, listen. He just said figure. You know what he's going to say next. <laughs> <laughs> he's awful. He, like, if he, will, if, when, if he tells you to listen to something, fucking don't. <laughs> I'm a guy that likes, a f uh, like, I like to see what Kid Rock's up to, you know? He has a song on his first album. It's the last song, and it's called Black Chick, White Guy, and it is the most offensive thing you can ever hear. But I listen to it because I want to be like this to Brett. I want to be like, hey, Brett, check out how bad Kid Rock is. <laughs> Last trip, last trip, I had him listening to Shock Jocks, which is even arguably worse. I'm, I'm like listening to 10-hour Shock Jock mega mixes. 
On the way to DC one time, we listened to Christian radio for six hours. <laughs> well, I have a good reason for that too. No radio stations play all the genres, right? You can't turn on a fucking radio station and hear country music, death metal, pop music, techno, except for the Christian station. They play all of it, but just all the songs are about love and Jesus, which is like, I don't know. Okay. Right. Jesus instead of drugs. And they also sound like a song you've heard before. You're like, I, I, think, I, I think I know this song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't love Satan. <laughs> Something I don't know. Fucking, I, 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 that's the only pop song I know right now. So my last one, and I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't write this question. This came from the dad meeting. They said I had to get a group consensus on it before. Are dads allowed to do like a problematic Jamaican accent like once a year? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a no. It's a no. I'll let them know. Only I'll in the car know. with the doors shut and the family. We be jamming. Nobody, uh, don't say it. Uh, Hey, that's my one. I just wanted one. I just wanted one. <laughs> not again. That's the last one. No, you're not allowed to do that anymore. You're only allowed to do French accents, German accents, and uh, English and Australian. Those are the only ones you're allowed to do. Fine with me, mate. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's Father's Day weekend, so I thought... You know, what the hell? Let's come up here and talk about our fucking dads, right? And being dads, dad shit. It's dad shit weekend, everybody. Is everybody going to do something with their peppies this weekend? <laughs> Sounds typical. It's like on Mother's Day, everybody would have cheered yes. Yeah, my uh, daughter, went, I, she started kindergarten. I pick her up from school every single day. And every single day, she's like, I have a love letter for mom. <laughs> not one for dad, not yet. Because they fucking scheduled Father's Day during the summer when the kids aren't in school. I don't even get a fucking craft, man. Yeah, that's true. What's that? I didn't get, like, a, a my favorite animal, like, that kind of looks like it or whatever. This is real gutsy material I'm doing because the kid's right there. So... <laughs> I would like to get some sort of like golf gift or something at least, right? A tie that I'll never wear. No, you don't want any of that stuff, dude. Brett, Brett yelling at his family about his gifts would be something that I would sit and watch. <laughs> what the fuck is this tie? You know I would never wear this tie. God. Not fair. I know, it's not fair because I complain about everything. No, and uh, he just it's complains It's not fair about that you paint me pointing out someone being inconsiderate as a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're so mean. Jeez. Yeah, man. So we've been uh we've been hitting the road like this whole this whole first part of the year and like kind of talking about our childhood and growing up and like I don't think about it that much, really, except for I obsess upon it most of my life about <laughs> How fucked up everything was. And, like, the thing I think about the most is, like, so this is what I do for a living, and this is very cool, and all you wonderful people came out here to see this. Now, when I was a kid, there were many things I wanted to try. The first thing I wanted to try was 
Dr- drums. I wanted to put, well, dr- drugs, obviously, but also drums. I wanted to play drums. And the first thing my dad said to me was like, oh, that's too loud. You can't have those in the house. <laughs> so I couldn't get drums. And then my dad was like, you know what's a really great fucking sport? And I was like, what? And he's like, hockey. And I said, oh, I'd like to play hockey. He's like, that shit's too expensive. You ain't playing fucking hockey. <laughs> You'll just give up anyway. <laughs> He isn't. I would have quit hockey, that's for sure. The fucking problem with me is I started smoking when I was 12. So all the sports were kind of out of the window at that point. I was like, oh, I like this better, you know? So I saw the movie, The People versus Larry Flint. And I got in the car with my dad after I saw that movie, and I said, Dad, I'm going to be a First Amendment lawyer. And he said, there's no fucking money in that. You just might as well not do that. <laughs> and in the very last thing, the very last thing, I'm listening to corn. I'm going to all these fucking cool-ass concerts, and I'm like, Dad, I'm going to go, I'm going to start a heavy metal band, and I'm going to be a rock star. He, this is the time where he engages me finally, and he just goes like this. Well, you know, you probably can't be a rock star, but you could go to school to be a sound guy. <laughs> you make a very good living doing that. <laughs> So, yeah, I could have been fucking John Rich's sound guy that cut up his Nikes and got all over Twitter for it. You know, jeez. Well, I okay, look, I'm not here to insult sound guys or anything, but I've met some in my travels. There was one that insisted to Brett there was a ghost in the bar that he was working at. We had one that fell asleep during the show in Vegas. Some sound guys are like a little weirder than even us, I guess is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the thing. You never know what you're going to get, right? The first show we did in Philly with Chapo, I hired some sound guy that I got a number from. He showed up. He's looking at it. He's like, I don't know what to do here, man. So I just grabbed one of the cords and plugged it in where I thought it went and did the fucking sound for the guy. (laughs) At the end of the night, he asked Brett for his money and Brett just paid him. (laughs) Hey, bold bold maneuvers. I mean, yeah, he did a Brian Quinby job. (laughs) He looked at it and was like, oh, I don't know, it's cords. This is fucking wild, man. I thought there was going to be a guy here to show me how to do it. It's like, you're the fucking guy, dude. Uh, well, my dad didn't really discourage me. He didn't talk to me too much. Uh, <laughs> he would hit me with like some stories out of nowhere. I actually, I got a tattoo right here in memory of this story because this is when I was younger and my dad told me that he was at a job site in Dublin, Ohio, which is like a richer suburb of Columbus. And there was a guy he was working with, this is 1970s, a dude with real long hair. And these guys started harassing him. So my dad grabs a hammer from his work truck and hits one of the guys with the fucking hammer. (laughs) So uh, I was like, well, I'll get a hammer tattoo then. That's pretty meaningful for me. (laughs) That's the meaningful story your dad. Your dad didn't sit you down and talk about sex. He sat you down and was like, one time I beat a guy with a hammer. Sometimes you have to use a hammer. Yeah. Gwen, I never beat anybody with a hammer, but I have plenty of stories about getting beat up. So we can talk about all the times I've been beaten up for telling a kid he had bobo shoes. 
Yeah, the, he, there, he was interesting. There was a time, uh, so for my formative teenage years, I was not a drug doer or a drinker. That was my job. I was doing all the drugs and he was doing all the vandalism, right? Right. <laughs> vandalism is what I did every Friday and Saturday night. We had black outfits we would dress up in, throw, car, throw eggs at cars, toilet paper houses, all that stuff. So one time, we find out that someone knows who did. So we got, we got this kid's house. Oh, you know what we used to do? It was also, it was vigilante justice. Basically what would happen, in gym, if some cool kid was like picking on an unpopular kid, we would throw up in a bucket and then throw it all over their car. <laughs> <laughs> I, ad I admire this in that, like, when, when I was a kid, you just br busted their car windows out because we were idiots and we only knew how to throw rocks. He was going the extra mile and barfing on their cars. Just well, go and baloney, right? Yeah, lots of baloney, too. He, he likes to throw baloney at shit. Eggs. Well, here's why I like baloney. It's only like a dollar a pack, and you can kind of get in, like, a Frisbee golf pitching position. And you can just unload the whole thing, like with precision, all over a house, watching pimento loaves slide down a window. <laughs> and so one time, we got basically someone knew it was up, and they said the co the cops had already went to my friend's house. So I wrote a note to my dad that said, "Hey, the cops are going to come around." I had nothing to do with it, but you should just <laughs> know they're on their way. So one morning, we're in the basement, and I hear the door, doorbell go off. My dad answers the door. He says, is your son home? And my dad, the first thing he says is, no, what do you want? I'm like, <laughs> okay, where's this going? So the guy's like, you know, your son uh, has been implicated in this crime. He's done, he toilet paper this house, threw eggs and baloney all over it. And my dad's like, well, what proof do you got? And he's like, well, uh, didn't you say that your son wrote a note to you that said I would be arriving? And he's like, what? It, it, sorry. He grabs the note, he crumples it up, and he eats it. <laughs> and then he says to the cop, he's like, what are you doing coming to my house talking about toilet paper? Don't you have to go catch a vacuum cleaner thief or something? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I was like, and then he came downstairs and was just like, you need to be more fucking careful out there. <laughs> Not you need to stop doing vandalism because he knows that's not going to happen. It's a habit that you can't quit. You just need to be more careful when you do the vandalism. Absolutely. Okay, these, I, got, I got a pair of low socks for people that can't see. I got a pair of low socks. These were thrown at, thrown at me in Philadelphia. We were performing, and then all of this swag just started flying from the crowd. We got Sodexo socks, low socks. We got a Great Clips bag. We got hooked up. Yeah, we did. We got a lot of swag. We got all weird stuff in Philly, actually. A guy actually gave, me two, gave us two things of deodorant. <laughs> oh, and now we got a shirt. Yeah. Woo! Woo! <laughs> you stripping? <laughs> yeah man and 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 then like the the other thing about your dad is that like he should have probably like we should have switched dads you know what i mean because brett your dad didn't discourage you from he, jobs did he well he did one i was like i want to be a tattoo artist and he was like well your mom can get you a job installing cable i'm like 
That was my dream job! <laughs> you could have got in early. I know, I could have started at 18. I'd be running the fucking cable company now. And uh, I wanted a c computer more than anything when I was a kid. And he was like, you should just go to school and get a Microsoft certification then. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> I can use Microsoft better than anybody else. That's great. Big time certified Microsoft guy. He did get you. I mean, you told him you wanted to do tattoos and he hooked you up with a guy, right? Oh, my dad. Yes, yes. This is a little bit. This is some of my privilege, folks. Sorry to brag here. But when I was younger and I was like, no, dad, I really want to be a tattoo artist. He was like, all right, there's a guy I work with. He knows somebody named Spider Mike. <laughs> now, I had heard of Spider Mike before because Spider Mike pierced his dick with a nail. Oh, Spider Mike. Woo! So, like, I'm, I'm studying tattoos. I'm like a teenager. I'm getting magazines. I'm trying to learn. I want to be like a good artist. And I call Spider Mike on the phone and I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for like an apprenticeship. I want someone that can show me how to do it and I'm willing to put in a lot of hard work and all this. And he goes, I'm looking for people to tattoo this weekend, man. Are you comfortable enough to just go for it? <laughs> <laughs> Spider Mike's a fucking king. I, w I never got a Spider Mike tattoo. I'm going to have to chase him down. <laughs> I love it. You just get Spider Mike tattooed across your stomach. <laughs> just get his fucking name, man. Spider Mike. Spider Mike. I man. love that your fucking dad knows a guy named Spider Mike. See, that should have been my dad, right? My dad's a big fucking wiener that discouraged me from doing cool things and his dad introduced him to Spider Mike. He, my dad, all, he worked with a guy named Action Jackson that was just like, <laughs> dude, ran his mouth. Not the, an imitator, but he constantly ran his mouth at work. He signed up for an amateur fight. Like back in the days when they would just <laughs> let anybody box against like Butterbean and all of those guys. Tough man contest. Tough man contest. I wish they still did those, because y'all know I would be a tough man. King tough man in town, right? No, Action Jackson got knocked out, like, immediately. <laughs> he was not about the action. It was just the talking. How was that received at the job site? <laughs> he probably had to quit. Yeah. It's like it could go either way, because I've worked on job sites where they would have been like, that's fucking cool that you went and got knocked out by that guy, man. Hey, I didn't have the fucking guts. It's like when you do stand-up comedy. Anytime you go up and do an open mic, people are like, hey, I don't have the fucking guts. Whenever you bomb. <laughs> Probably the same thing with tough man contests. I got knocked out in a concussion, and I didn't wake up for three days. But, you know, I didn't have the guts to do it. It's cred. Want to get our friends up here? Sure, we can do that. Hey, you know what? We don't like to do shows that are just somebody opens and then somebody comes out and does another show. We do joint shows here. Yeah, this so. Is <laughs> this is just a little taste of the flat earth ideology that permeates everything that we do. We so wanna make sure that nobody's opening for anybody. Never, would Tom, bring them up here. Tom and Terrence are gonna come up. They're gonna help us finish this show out, baby. You got cool dad, Terrence? 
What's that? How's your dad? Is your dad a cool guy? Or is he dead and I just fucked up and asked you? Turn this on. Is this? Can y'all hear oh, me? Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Oh jeez. Um, my dad's an all right guy. I do have a funny story about him though. Um, when I was a kid, we grew up in the desert, and so there was no water anywhere. You couldn't. If you wanted to swim, you had to basically make your own swimming hole. And so. <laughs> Wait a minute. Not a pool. <laughs> a hole. A hole. Exactly. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I had an above-ground pool because I come from rich people, okay? Thank you. <laughs> so um, my dad bought a large cattle trough that, uh, you know, cattle feed out of. And, um, and then he spent an entire Saturday just drinking beer and filling it up with a water hose. <laughs> yes! <laughs> it, Give the it, kids what they want. That's right, right. It took him about four or five hours. <laughs> but as soon as it was filled, it was the funnest shit ever. <laughs> so he's a good guy for that. <laughs> we, so wait, so did he watch it the entire time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, got yeah. it. You just got it. Just got real good and fucked up. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if the whole job is holding the hose, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I've done harder jobs <laughs> fucked up for sure. Right, right. Well, and, I mean, who's your boss at that point? Oh, no, I got too fucked up and fell over and the hose went in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, is your dad a cool dude? Oh, no. I uh, know. My, my, my dad is decidedly not a good dad. So yeah. I, I don't say this Ooh. to like make it a huge bummer, but my dad like took off when I was like two. That's bad but dad. Luckily, luckily, I have an aunt named Anna that's been trying to take up the slack for like the last couple of months. <laughs> oh, we support that. So like, uh, so she approached me at the Mountain Heritage Festival, which is like the big Whitesburg festival, and she was Whitesburg. like, Woo! and she was like, feeling up my face and like, you know, because she hadn't seen me since I was like, you know, day big or whatever. And she's just like, I always wanted to be there for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's, it's, a little, it's a little heavy for the funnel cake line. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you a hug. Yeah. We're going to give you a hug, Tom. At the end of the show, this whole show is a big hug to Tom. I did. I did. I did, however, I did, however, meet my dad one time in my life. Okay? And I've got like, like, sleep problems and like sleep paralysis and all this stuff and occasionally walk in my sleep and all this stuff used to pee the bed whatever <laughs> so, I mean we all pee the bed still sometimes yeah it's all right so so let's <laughs> hey don't worry about that shit <laughs> so so the first time I met my dad I was he had came to visit my mom and I was already asleep. And so we lived in this apartment. There's an upstairs and there's a downstairs. And they were downstairs, like, you know, fucking watching Jeopardy or whatever. And uh, so I walked down and there's these pantry cabinets right beside the room. And so I'm just like kind of groggy walking in there. I open the door, jerk my little bird out, and just start peeing in the closet in front of my strange father. <laughs> And I just turn around, grog, and just go, and walk back up the stairs. And he that's said, that's, a, that's my son right there. <laughs> Couldn't deny him if I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, you're. I mean, you guys did a great thing up here with the parachute guy, but I think uh, we watched the guy die. It reminded me. <laughs> what it reminded me of when we were in Philly last. When, last time we were in Philly, we go and sit down at the bar. It's me and Brett and Trevor Hagelbon from Twitter, right? Before the show, we go to this Vietnamese restaurant across the street. We're sitting here, and the guy in the front of the counter, there's a plane crash happening on the fucking TV, right? And he's like, oh, did y'all see that plane crash? And we were like, yeah, it's like right there on the TV. He's like, no, I got a better video of it. So he fucking pulls out his phone and he first he shows us just the video of it going down. And me and Brett and Trevor are kind of sitting there and we're like trying to not act interested so he gets the hint that we don't want to see it. He's like, oh, you know what? I got an even better video. It's from inside the plane. And he fucking pulls his phone out and starts playing people panicking on the inside of the plane as they crash. And I was like, five stars on Yelp for this restaurant. They will show you a snuff film. <laughs> Philly's fucked up, everybody. I don't want to see anybody dying after this show on a, on a, don't bring it to me, please. We got a lot of these. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some bosses, folks. You ready? You guys ready to talk about some bosses? Some Kentucky bosses. Uh, the boss's name is Dale, and he works for Dale's Hot Dog Stand in Richmond. You guys know Dale? That's all I need to know about Dale. Uh, he doesn't have a nickname, but he's on here. He's written up for telling my coworkers and I to wear revealing clothes because it's their look. We were underage. He gave me $7 at the end of my one... Yeah. He gave me $7 at the end of my one eight-hour shift and letting me know that they don't do paychecks. We don't need to fucking get all in the books about this thing. It don't need to be official. Here's $7. Have a good day. That's exactly a little less than a... <laughs> really? You're asking me for a paycheck? I thought you were cool. <laughs> the boss here's name is Tom and Jim. Two bosses. That's bad. I like the description of the boss. It just says old. Uh, he's a zipline guide. This is for a zipline guide place. He hid rock-shaped cameras in the cavern linked to their home and would call managers and spy on us. He said labor was their biggest cost, so that so when he looked for people, so then he would look for people to fire. What well, that's great. That's just really keen there. Yeah, those cameras are trouble. There's been a lot of bosses that are watching people from like their home man cave. Yeah, yeah. I've heard about We've that. heard so much about like people that work in like there was this thing. We went to a gas station on the way to a show in Pittsburgh and their 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 sign was out on the road, right? On the freeway and we were like we're going to stop at this gas station and take a piss. And we got there and we got to the counter and we were like, uh, hey, can we use, you know, where's the bathroom? And she was like, oh, 
you can't use this bathroom. So right before we walked outside, she was like, also, there's cameras on the building. If you piss on the building, the cops will be here in five minutes. <laughs> well, because she saw us walking around back. That's why. She saw us moseying around that, that in the dumpster. That is a traitor. Yeah. 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 Well, you shouldn't be allowed to have your fucking gas station on the sign on the freeway if you can't pee there. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> Some of these are like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's do it. This boss's uh, boss's manager name. It says no because two years later I still get psycho emails. Oh wow! <laughs> the rude nickname is Westchester Mo- Wine Mom, and she's an old money divorcee. And this person was a live-in nanny. Oh, that is a good way to get psycho fucking emails. This shit literally put me in a mental hospital. I'm still paying off the bills. <laughs> That one's tough. You, hey. <laughs> I wanted to hear it. Uh, this boss's name is Don, and they're an assistant manager at a movie theater, and this is a server in a bar or restaurant part of a movie theater. Oh, a bunch of servers left, so we were all pulling extra shifts to fill in the gaps. Continuali- continuously called me out for minor offenses while going above and beyond to keep things running. Eventually walked out after she tried to write me up for being rude to her during a huge rush shift that I was also training another person during. So, yeah, got rode up. I like the idea, though. I want to start writing up our people for being rude to me. Because I'm going to tell you something. My wife books the show, and my daughter packs the zines, and they are rude. (laughs) Rudeness. Here's a famous small business tyrant slogan. Where's your sense of urgency? (laughs) Right? Well, when things get urgent, I get fucking pissed, okay? So I'm not going to be nice when I ask you for some shit, right? Right, yeah. No, well, at a, I can't imagine working at a restaurant and, like, not being rude to your coworkers. Yeah, that seems to be the theme. Well, I'm rude to them, too. I mean, I'm rude to fucking everybody. Uh, this boss's name is Amanda, and uh, the nickname for the boss is Shrek. Hey, I had a Shrek, too. We've had a few Shreks, actually, as bosses. Uh, she's a shitty principal. At the end of the year, at the end of the school year, we have an end of year outing. We were dismissed early, so we decided to start the party early. We invited our principal. She tattled on us to the superintendent and got us in trouble for drinking before 3:15, even though she dismissed us. You do much drinking on the job, Tom? You much drinking on the job? You know, the only job that I ever drank on was when I was a lifeguard. <laughs> oh, no! That's like the only time I wouldn't condone it. Yeah, drinking, like in the hot sun. I, I, yeah, I threw up one time off a lifeguard. Yeah. <laughs> well, me and Tom have been talking about this. Are lifeguards, are they first responders yet, like cops? If they are. What's the consensus You mean, has anybody? <laughs> Go ahead. If they are. 
If they are, it would be the thin white line. That's what I'm looking up right now. I grabbed my phone to look up the, the lifeguard flag. Yeah, the sunscreen on the nose. Well, I'm thinking maybe if you just extended one of those orange floaties like all the way through for one line, right? There you go. That would work. Yeah. They don't have a thin blue line lifeguard flag. Tom, can you please make one? I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah. Our first responder here. The boss's name here is the money haver. <laughs> and he's a rich kid running a startup. Ah, oh, he, nice. <laughs> Those suck. Some of the worst jobs were startups that people have brought up to us. So uh, here we go. Working at a startup that bragged about giving part of its profits to charity. The boss flew into a remote office, bought cupcakes, ate most of them, and then laid on the floor of the office complaining about his stomach. <laughs> That's baby boss. That's baby boss. Hey, there's been a lot of those, though. There's the famous boss from, uh, I don't remember where it's from. I think it was from Chicago. This boss leaves in the middle of the shift for three fucking hours while they're slammed. And she gets back all unapologetic and has a new tattoo. <laughs> Which is a good move, just not for the boss. Yeah, if you're an employee and you take a three-hour lunch to get a tattoo, that's fucking cool with me, man. People here name names, man. It's uh, this boss's name is Derek. <laughs> Derek from Goodfellas, not. <laughs> Y'all know him? Hey, I was gonna go eat at Goodfellas tonight. Are they chuds? Let's see. Ian knows. Okay, okay. If I go to Goodfellas, I'll go to Hill Street. Also Mill Street, both of them. Never worked when we shared the kitchen. Sat at the bar and played games on his phone all night and bragged about selling a junkie any junkie day wall as a Coke. As Coke. He's selling Coke, I guess. Is that... Drywall. Drywall. Ooh. Oh shit, that's fucked up. Yeah, that's very fucked up. Oh my god. I sold a guy one time, this guy we grew up with. He always had money. And uh, he was like kind of a piece of shit. But when we were like 14, we could go knock on his door and he'd give us each a cigarette, you know? It's like when you couldn't get any cigarettes, you would go to Chris's house and get a cigarette. One day we went home and we spent all fucking day uh, using baking soda and then like trying to get it to rock up to look like crack. <laughs> all day. And we finally fucking got it done. We took it over there and we sold him to it as crack. And then he never gave us a cigarette again. It was really fucking unfair. <laughs> yeah. Don't burn that bridge. If there's a guy that you could knock on his door and get a smoke every now and then, my, the lesson there is don't burn that bridge. Makes sense to me. This is Robert. He is a short, bald, and round, so it sounds like me, pretty much. Is this me? Did my wife write this? 
Aside from creating an inescapable kind of B.O. behind the counter. <laughs> uh, I, my, my number one pet peeve is coffee breath. Oh, I oh, like yeah. that. When they bring you in there and they're just like, hey, Brett. And you're like, ah! B.O. is bad. It's not my favorite thing. Robert has been known to refer to all employees of Southeast Asian descent as Patels. He frequently loses his temper, his temper at customers and new employees, rearranges the store just when you get used to the layout, strongly abides by the, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean, Greta. All that means, you know what that means every time? Is you just stand at the same table and clean it. You just fucking spray it and wipe and you just stand there. The first, my first job, my first job ever was at McDonald's. And uh, I came into work at three o'clock every day after school. And uh, you know, there was nothing going on there. First day I got to work, I was like, this is fucking great, man. So we just get to kind of hang out for this first part of the shift before people come through and they were like, clean the fucking... Yeah, they started having me clean the stainless steel, mop the floor, deck brush the floor. I was like, shouldn't this shit have been done before I got here? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have like a rag under your arm and you're leaning on your elbow and then when you hear them coming, you just push up and just start wiping. <laughs> I one time got yelled at because I didn't clean. I was so pissed. I got yelled at by this boss because the little baseboard area around the windows. Yeah, and this motherfucking guy is like, you didn't clean the baseboards. And I'm, first of all, I'm like, how do you know? And he's like, there's like a month worth of, there's like a month worth of bugs there. And I'm like, well, you didn't clean them either then, motherfucker, shit. This boss's name is Dale. And uh, he's a big dude and he's very wealthy. He's rich and he talks about his money a lot. Probably made up 50% of his backstory to me. He's casually sexist white guy from the deep south. Douchey sunglasses. Oh no. What, what, what brand? Were they Ray-Bans? No. What were they? Wait, what were they? Ugh. Is is Kentucky? Is there Oakleys? Is this an Oakley country? See, I feel like I know you people because I'm from Oakley country too. I grew up where the Oakleys are. We had a we had a good uh, one of my favorite stories ever. We when we were in Des Moines, Iowa, there was a guy that worked at a subway when he was a kid, and you don't care. <laughs> So, <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't have to deal with me. I'm not going to do anything. These people will do something to you, though. Uh, so this guy, in su this guy was working at Subway. He's supposed to close it down for the night. And the, he leaves the door open so he can take the trash out. And what happens is as he is gathering up the trash, someone comes up behind him and holds a knife to his throat. Yes. And they say, please, they say, empty the register. So he does. And they tell him to lay on the ground for 10 minutes and then, you know, whatever, they can get up. He runs out the back door. This guy calls his boss. 
His boss shows up. The police are there. They're reviewing the footage. And his boss says to him, I'm a little confused here because you're much bigger than this guy. Why didn't you fight him off? <laughs> and so he's like, well, you know, the knife. I didn't really want to get killed for this subway money. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So then the guy, so then his boss is like, yeah, but you helped him empty the money out of the register. Why am I supposed to believe you weren't in on it? <laughs> What a fucking dick. Uh, this boss's name is Wayne, and he is a cooler manager. Oh, he's the cool manager. This ought to be good. He sits on his chair backwards. This guy, oh, racist, nice. He will show around anyone with a Latinish last name around a day before hiring because he believes they're all lazy. He orders our products to what he thinks is enough, but never orders enough. That, then when I work 14 hours to make up for what was missed, I don't know. He treats his golden boys like royalty, even though they don't do shit. The company of 60 is being carried by five. That's most companies, right? Yeah, yeah. Startup life. Hey, at least we aren't the suckers doing all the work, right? <laughs> We're all lazy in here, aren't we? <laughs> I am, at least, you know. All right, Tom, is uh, his nickname is Fat Moses. <laughs> Fancy. He said, don't call me 30 minutes after a 12-hour shift. I've done enough of your job for the day. I don't have a life due to you. So, yeah, fuck that guy, huh? Fuck Fat Moses. <laughs> yeah, fuck that Moses. <laughs> fuck Moses, period. I mean, even the regular Moses, you know? I got in trouble in Las Vegas because I said I think the Rat Pack sucks. <laughs> and there was a guy playing, like, poker in the back of the bar, and he was like, get the fuck out of Vegas then. And I was like, trust me, motherfucker, I'm trying to get out of this place. I, like, developed a gambling problem there over four days. I want to gamble more. I'm ready to go fucking play roulette with Tom. Slippery slope, pal. Slippery slope. <laughs> I know. I, I will not go to a Kentucky backdoor poker game. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Hey, what about what your co-host wants to do? <laughs> Boo. Well, for the first two years we toured, every time we passed a casino, Brett was like, we could take like 50 bucks of show money and just fucking go to the casino if you want to. <laughs> See what happens. We would have did fine. <laughs> this guy's name is Ron Brune, and his, last, his nickname is Brundog. He's an angry dude that would belittle people as a form of self-therapy. He felt compel compelled to harass all women working to make himself feel like a man. He, it felt weird to be working in constant fear of such a pathetic dude. Bruno. <sighs> yeah, that's working. Highly related. All right, we're going to read this last one here. And then what we're going to do is hang out if everybody wants to party for a while. Yeah. All my best friends are going to hang out with us. 
right? All my rowdy friends. All our rowdy <laughs> friends want to hang out with us. This person's name is Carrie Smith, and he's chief, his uh, nickname is Chief Big Ass. <laughs> but then next to the nickname, it says that's his actual job title. So we have Chief Big Ass Shrek and Westchester Wine Mom. Yes, yes. Hey, My favorite Moses, one is Chief Moses. Yeah, Fat, yeah, Fat Moses. Moses. Me and Chief Big Ass and Fat Moses <laughs> would be a cool crew if they weren't bosses. Oh, yeah. He screamed at people for no reason and tried to laugh it off as a joke. In the middle of yelling at me, he told me I was too sensitive. He regular, regularly wandered through the office demanding to know what the fuck each person did. For real. <laughs> you know what I want to do? I think if our Patreon gets high enough, what we're going to do with these live shows is we'll come into town a day early. We're going to kidnap one of these bosses and bring them out on stage. <laughs> And have y'all throw rotten fruit and vegetables at them. <laughs> yeah, or, or guillotine, whichever works. Hey, no, we'll have them try a flight suit off of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Introduce All right, everybody, hey, I want to thank the Trillbillies for getting us out here. We love these guys. They're the best. And, you know, you know us. Uh, let's hang out. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jeff. Peace.